Amen. And so, um, as I mentioned, my name is, is Carl Messenger, and I serve here as pastor and elder. But, you know, it was really just um, literally four weeks ago that I also served as pastor and elder at the Arbor Church, baby. Look what I found. Look at that. Oh, mama. As skinny as I used to be. And, uh, you know, we had a bunch of junk sitting in a storage unit. I figured I'd pull something out. And so... Um, we uh, identified as the Arbor Church because we uh, saw in Scripture just a, a whole pattern um, flowing from the agricultural society of the entire world until the last couple hundred years. Um, but in Scripture, of this idea of health and growth and bearing fruit, uh, literally represented by a tree and vegetation of all sorts, and then, of course, the better implication is, is spiritual fruit. And so Jesus taught in Matthew 13, he said, you know, the parable of the sower, as the seed falls in all these different places, most of them are unhealthy. And so we desire to be a place that where whatever it is that's growing, in this case hopefully people, would grow and thrive and, and produce fruit. Um, and so we identified as an arbor. And so even as we were making this logo, which was equal parts fun and frustrating, um, we... Um, we really were intentional that we needed the roots, and we also needed, um, if I were a corny pastor, I'd say the fruits. And so we would get the, the leaves on there. And just the only verse I want to put with this is the very first proverb, okay, the wisdom, poetry, Proverbs, right? And Proverbs 1 talks about, hey, if you want to be blessed by God, if you want to walk with God, here's a few things. And in verse 3, it says that he, this person who desires to be blessed by the Lord and walk with the Lord, is like a tree planted by flowing streams. It yields its fruit at the proper time. Sometimes we don't like that part, but it's in there. And the leaves never fall off and, and they succeed because God is working and moving. And so that was that was a big part of kind of our heart. And, and that's not our heart. It's God's heart for his people. And so we read that verse and yeah, it's up there. Like, who wouldn't want that? We all like, of course, like I want that. I want that for me, for my family, for you, my kids, all these kids. We want God's people to walk in this way, right? Okay, of course. Yes. True, false, true. Well, how, how do we do it? Like, how do we really get to a point where we walk in that type of, I don't even know what the word is, contentment? Maybe it's power? Like, we can put your own word, mad lib it, because, like, we want that. Well, how, how do we get it? Could we, is it really attainable, or is it just a great little Bible verse? Well, as we're back in our Stand Firm series here, Daniel, we're going to be in chapter 4. And in Daniel chapter 4, it, it's one of my, I say this all the time, you're going to learn that, favorite chapters and pastors in all of Scripture. But in Daniel chapter 4, um, we are going to look at another tree, the description of another tree. And we're going to hear from God, and we're going to see a call to respond to His call where He'll meet us. And so open your Bibles uh, to Daniel chapter 4, um, if you have one, or electronic in this 21st century. But um, Daniel 4, um, again, is great. Daniel, they're trying to find it. We're about two-thirds through the entire Bible. He is the final of the four major prophets. And um, his book is, in my mind, equal parts history. I mean, Google 
all of these names and places um, in Daniel, and they are real and uh, magnificent places in, in human history where God strategically, there's a pattern here, placed his people to move and bring about God's kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. And so it's equal parts history, but it's equal parts prophecy, right? It's, 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 he's a major prophet. It's a, this is a prophetic book, and there are visions and dreams and words directly from God to a whole bunch of different people. And Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego from last week kind of are, are part of that tale as well. So it's equal parts history, prophecy. It is all parts relevant to us today and every single one of us. And so I want to begin reading in verse 4. This is one of those... Um, like chapters of the Bible that's numbered kind of funny, but it doesn't matter because the numbers came later. So we're actually in verse 4, which is to me verse 1, but it says this, I, Nebuchadnezzar, so again, Google, Google, Google. He is one of the greatest kings of all human history. At this time, it's about 2,600 years ago, he's the most powerful man in the world. The kingdom of Babylon is the greatest kingdom that has ever existed at this time. The, one of the seven wonders of the world, the Hanging Gardens of Babylon, which is like, to me, a little wimpy, but it's also like, that's how good they had it, that they could have this beautiful garden, because they were so safe, they were so in control, they were so powerful, and even look at how Nebuchadnezzar himself describes it. I was relaxing in my home, living luxuriously in my palace. It was amazing. But he says, I saw a dream that frightened me badly. The things I imagined while lying on my bed... These visions of my mind were terrifying me. And so he does what he always did. He calls his wise men, his astrologers and all these people to come. Hey, tell me, here's the dream. Tell me what it means. Interpret the dream for me. And as always, they couldn't. Like these guys, they, I guess they were men, but they were not wise. I mean, they never, just read this whole book. They never got it right. It was kind of amazing. Um, and so he's frustrated. And so... He remembers, oh, but there's this guy. He wasn't kind of around. We talked about last chapter when Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had their little trouble. And so he gets Daniel, this Jewish exile who's been faithful, who has, has, has been honorable to this pagan king, despite being ripped away from his homeland, ripped away from his faith, and planted as a slave in Babylon. He calls Daniel. And, and look at verse 18. I think uh, if we have it on there or not, you can look. Um, but here's why. He says, Daniel, I need you to interpret the dream for a spirit of the holy gods is in you. I mean, there's some theology right there. And so, friends, yeah, Daniel, cool, great, Nebuchadnezzar, history, prophecy. No, today, you, relevance, you, if you are a follower of Christ, if you have put your faith in Christ, in God, to walk with you and to save you now and forever, you have a spirit, the spirit of the living God within you. And so Daniel had what we have access to. And so this isn't, wow, Daniel, man, that guy, you, us, you are Daniel. You can be. And so this is amazing. This is the difference between all these wise guys who knew math and science and things, who knew nothing, and then Daniel, because the Spirit of God was in him. And so um, what I want to do with this text, because I love it so much, we'd be here for summer, and is I just want to walk through the kind of the natural flow of this text. And so it's going to kind of be a little bit of, you know, just some bullet points of a structure, 
but then it'll, it'll kind of land with, again, that relevance that I talked about. And so kind of the flow here is something happens, in, in this case, uh, a dream. We'll start with the dream. Uh, and then there's a response. So we're going to see six. You see on your card there, there's six little things I'm going to point out. The first one, if you're just itching to write something down, is the dream. So it starts with the dream, right? He has this terrifying dream. I'm going to tell you what the dream actually was uh, in a moment. And so you'll have to wait for that. But there's this dream. And then we're going to have Daniel's response here in verse 19. It says this. Then Daniel, whose name was also Belteshazzar. So Nebuchadnezzar renames him after his pagan god. But Daniel, and he didn't revolt, he didn't cry about it, he, he was quite faithful and certainly influenced um, the world. All right, Belteshazzar, he was upset for a brief time. His thoughts were alarming him, and so the king said, Belteshazzar, don't let the dream and its interpretation alarm me. Let me have it. But Belteshazzar replied, Sir, if, if only the dream were for your enemies and its interpretation applied to your adversaries so we'll pause there so so there's the dream and now we have what i'm describing as the pause so number two if you want to put pause with a u and um there's the pause and so but this is not a fearful pause okay remember and we've talked about this earlier in the series where like and you might know from the book of esther like you can't approach the king and tell him anything bad like there's that that kind of famous proverb of you know the king story fable the king with no clothes and like no one will tell him because They'll get killed. That's, that's not what this is. This isn't, I'm afraid to tell you because you're going to kill me. Daniel doesn't care about that. He doesn't live for this world, right? And so this pause is different. Daniel's fearful because he knows that he has to share a hard word with the king. The hardest of words, as you're about to see. And so there's the dream and there's the pause, which led to, here's where it picks up, uh, the interpretation. You can write it if you want. That's the third word. The interpretation of the dream in the next verse, verse 20, it says, The tree that you saw, so again, this is, he's telling the, the dream, this is where you're going to hear the dream, and then he's going to explain it as well with it. So he saw this, this tree that grew large and strong, whose top reached to the sky and which could be seen in all the land. The tree whose foliage was attractive and its fruit plentiful, and from which there was food available to all, under whose branches wild animals used to live, and in whose branches birds of the sky used to nest, that big, awesome tree, verse 22, it is you, O king, for you have become great and strong. Your greatness is such that it reaches to heaven and your authority to the ends of the earth. So I just, I'm pausing here a little bit for dramatic effect, but King Nebuchadnezzar's hearing this. He's finally hearing what this dream is starting to mean, and he's got to be feeling pretty good right now. Like, yeah, you know what? I am pretty great and pretty strong. And um, my tree, a little weird, but my tree, our kingdom, does reach up pretty high. It's pretty big. We have many people and even some weird animals that live under us, like um, Babylon, USA, USA. Like He's just getting jacked up here, pretty excited. But then I just got to imagine he's thinking, this sounds awesome, as it should, because I'm Nebuchadnezzar. But hold on a minute, because Daniel, why the long pause? Didn't you say that this, you wish it was for my enemies? I, I kind of like this, right? And so, again, if, if this was more of a back and forth, um, you know, Daniel would have said, but I wasn't done. And so verse 23, it goes on. 
from the dream, uh, the king, as for the king, seeing a holy sentinel, this, these angelic, you know, entourage coming down from heaven. And they said this, chop down the tree and destroy it, but leave its taproot in the ground with a band of iron and bronze around it, surrounded by the grass of the field. Let it become damp with the dew of the sky and let it live with the wild animals until seven periods of time go by for him. This is the interpretation, O king. It is the decision of the Most High that this has happened to my Lord the king. You will be driven from human society and you will live with the wild animals. You will be fed grass like oxen and you will become damp with the dew of the sky. Seven periods of time will pass by for you before you understand that the Most High is ruler over human kingdoms. And he gives them to whomever he wishes. And so, yeah, if if only this were for your enemies, right? I mean, how do you recover from that? You know, you're the king, and he, he, by all accounts, was was a great human king. Like, he accomplished so much. He, He was no dummy. And so, you know, like, okay, this is bad news. How do we fix it? Like, what do we do, right? Like, Daniel, tell me, help me. Click your heels together. Do something, because remember the spirit of the holy gods. Like, you got to help a brother out here. What do we do? I don't want to be a stump type thing. And so there's the dream. There's the pause. There's the interpretation. And now number four, we get the advice. This is, there's some hope here, right? It says, okay, let me tell you. Verse 26. They said to leave the taproot of the tree, even though they cut the whole thing down, for your kingdom will be restored to you when you come to understand that heaven rules, not you. Therefore, O king, may my advice be pleasing to you. Break away from your sins by doing what is right and from your iniquities by showing mercy to the poor. Perhaps your prosperity will be prolonged. And the advice to Nebuchadnezzar is the advice to us all. Live your life and know and understand that heaven rules, not you, not me, not us, not, not anybody but him. Break from sin by doing what is right. The theological terms here of repentance, forgiveness, turn from your sins, live for God and God alone, and not for ourselves anymore. King Nebuchadnezzar was obviously uh, horrible at that. But for us, the call is very real, and it's a call that most of us probably understand, and and struggle with, struggle through, battle with. But the call is clear. Live for Him. Understand that we're here for Him and His glory alone and not our own. And we stand in awe of that, right? We just sang all these songs. We would live that out. But, you know, again, for Nebuchadnezzar and, and maybe for us, this feels kind of heavy, right? And so be encouraged, though. This isn't just, hey, so you're, you're out of luck. You're in trouble. No, there's encouragement here. There's, 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 no, there's this truth that no matter how far we run, wherever we go to, that, to use this analogy here, there's a stump. God always leaves something. There's always, there's always grace available. There's always hope. There's always second, third, infinite chances, seven times 77, right? There's always hope in Him and grace. You know, one way to kind of just experience this and walk in this that we, we intentionally are making available, and I shared last week, was that we are um, leaving communion elements available every single Sunday. 
every week. And, and, and some weeks we'll do that like more formally, whether we pass them or create space around the room to, to really enter into a worshipful five, ten minute deal. Um, on other weeks, we, we'll just have them available uh, like today, where they're here and we've added a third station right in the back of the center aisle there. And, and the idea is this. If you're a follower of Christ, if you've put your faith in God to live for Him and Him alone, all these things that this vice calls for, then find a moment. It could literally be when you get here. Grab your coffee, grab communion. Get up in the middle of the song. Take communion. I was thinking as I was just sitting there during the music, and I was like, it would be pretty cool if someone did that even during the sermon. Now, don't feel forced, like, honey, apologize. I'm sorry. It's not one of those things. Um, but, like, if as you are worshiping God through music, through the word, through prayer, through whatever, and, and you're nudged to take an action and to worship him, you know, maybe don't come down the center aisle and, you know, freak us out, you know, go to that one. But, like, that you would, that you would partake and that you would remember the body of Christ represented through his body broken for us, his blood shed for us, forgiveness for our sins. You would remember the body of Christ represented in his church, the people. You would remember the remembrance of living and walking with him by getting up and actually taking a step. And so even when we don't like rah-rah-rah communion, the elements are here for you to, to look up to him and praise, to look in and, and the scripture says to examine ourselves. Like It's not just another religious ritual that I'm going through, but I am going to I'm going to look in, be transformed. I want to look like Jesus more and more. I need that. I need that weekly. I need that daily. And so this is the way to do that. And then look out together with the church to here and the ends of the earth. And so that's there for us. And uh, I think a good way to look at that is, is a way to experience and follow Daniel's advice. That we're going to pause even on a, on a Sunday, even whenever, and we're going to partake of the body of Christ. Today is... Um, it's uh, Pentecost Sunday, the 50 days after um, Passover. And so there's a special thing about that. And so maybe that's fresh in you there where you can remember Easter today. And so um, let's follow Daniel's advice, which speaking of which, this is really remarkable what happens next in the text. Like uh, you're all, if you're not familiar with this, this passage, maybe you don't know how Nebuchadnezzar responds. Maybe you do, maybe you don't. But even if you do, and I do, it's still remarkable. It is literally unbelievable how he responds to this direct word from God. And so I'll give it to you here. Verse 29. Next verse. says this. After 12 months, so a whole year later, this isn't like instant, a year later of life and king cool stuff. King Nebuchadnezzar happened to be walking around on the battlements of the royal palace of Babylon. The king uttered these words. Is this not the great Babylon that I have built for a royal residence by my own mighty strength and for my majestic honor. <sighs> but while these words were still on the king's lips, a voice came down from heaven. It is hereby announced to you, King Nebuchadnezzar, that your kingdom has been removed from you. You will be driven from human society and you will live with the wild animals. You will be fed grass like oxen and seven periods of time will pass by for you before you understand the Most High is ruler over human kingdoms and gives them to whomever he wishes. Now in that very moment, this pronouncement about Nebuchadnezzar came true. He was driven from human society. He ate grass like an oxen 
and his body became damp with the dew of the sky until his hair became long like an eagle's feathers and his nails like a bird's claws. Not looking so good anymore. There's the dream. There's the pause. There's the interpretation, the advice, and now and always there will be the fulfillment of the word from God, of the promise from God. What God says will always come true. We can't outrun him. We can't you know, wait him out. We can't like, change the subject and he'll forget about it. It's, this is, it will happen. It will happen in his timing. All we can do is try to follow the advice of Scripture and repent and humble ourselves and live for him. And so this is, this is the text here. This is the story. Nebuchadnezzar's story is ours. The fulfillment might be instant sometimes. It might be hours, days, weeks, seven, sevens, the periods of time, all these. We don't know. It might be your lifelong. The word of God will come true every time. God's word and his will stop for, for nobody. Whether you're a, a king, queen, pastor, pastor's wife, elder, stay-at-home mom, lifelong, I got saved when I don't even remember type thing. That's not my story, but some of yours. No difference. There's no, God's impartial with his will. It's to all people. Bow now, bow later. You choose. There's, there's a whole lot of freedom in that. Maybe too much freedom because we make a lot of bad choices. But he's calling you. Every one of you. You know, there's a, um, on your sheet here, uh, kind of a fill-in-the-blank thing. These help me just kind of make sure I say something important. And so if you want to write it down, kind of the question that I want you to think about is, what has the Lord spoken over your life? Has he? Is that, you're like, what does that even mean? You know, maybe you've never, you know, pondered that or prayed that or asked that. But I guess many of you have. What has he said? What has he shown you? And then really, as important as that is, that's all fine and good, but only if you do something with it. And so how have you responded? How have you answered the call? Have you gotten, you know, afraid and run the other direction? Um, look up Jonah, minor prophet. You know, or have you have you just said, well, I, I couldn't possibly do it. And Mitch mentioned Gideon. That was his thing. I'm a wimp and I'm a little afraid of, you know, smallest in my clan. I, how am I going to fight an army? Well, you're not, but I'm going to through you. Whatever it is, we could just we could go through. OK, next book. Right. We have it. We have the example. We have the advice. Will we actually follow it? Or are we changing the subject? And not really maybe responding. Well, we have to. Is this not the great life that I have built? We live like that. Look at my money. Look at my job. Look at my Instagram followers. I didn't even pay for them. Whatever it is, like, what, you know. We would never say that. I mean, like, are you kidding me? Can you imagine, like, saying that? Hey, Mitch, need to meet. I'm amazing. You know, hang out with me. I mean, it, it, it's ridiculous. It's how many of us live. It's how we operate. It's how we respond, even if we don't say it. It, it. It's that. And so look at my family, my happiness. But are you hearing from God? Be it a dream. That's a real thing. Be it a word. Be it his word. Be it prayer. Be it a song. Be it a conversation. I don't care. It's a billboard like that. Maybe God's speaking of that billboard. Listen, he spoke through a talking donkey at least once. 
let's not limit how God speaks. All right. So what is he saying to you? And then what's your next step? And then, you know, talking about the interpretation here, are you seeking to understand God's will and God's word? And are you bringing others in? Who's your Daniel? Doesn't have to be this like magical interpreter, but like who's someone in your life? Who's in your community? Biblical community, authentic community. They're going to tell you um, good things. And, um, you know, a little bit of a Nathan to David, a whole lot of Daniel to Nebuchadnezzar. Hey, you want to know that word? Thanks for asking me. You don't want to know this word, but you better obey it. You have someone in your life that does that? It's, it's okay today if you don't. We're going to build towards that, and so don't run away from that. Advice, repent, draw near to God, right? Advice through community. And then the fulfillment. This is cool. It's sometimes. Will you let God do the work that he desires to do in you? Whether it's awesome, can't wait, or, you know, you're going to wait seven periods of time, and when you're going to be a little stump eating grass, whatever it is. Now, he's going to get his way. Again, see Jonah and friends. But you're going to embrace it, you're going to find him in it, or you're going to keep fighting. And you accept it even if you don't like it. So here in Daniel 4, the theme of something happens and then there's a response or an action. Um, it, it's, it, it, our lives follow the same pattern. I think that's, yeah, I don't know why I put that, but that's on your sheet. And some of you OCD need to fill that out. But our lives follow the same pattern. Whether it's something we did or something that just happens out there and we respond to it. Something that culture's turning, we have to respond I mean, Getty Lee, the great theologian, talked about that. If you choose not to decide, you still made a choice. You will respond. And uh, our silence is a response. Our cowardice is a response. Or our confidence in Christ that we will be planted among streams of living water, as Jesus said, and that we will grow. We will be, we will in, be in soil. We will be in environment. We will be in community where we grow and we produce fruit as God designed every single human being to do will you do it it's the same pattern and this is us uh you know nebuchadnezzar is us babylon is is tampa my goodness actually mitch i think the first week of daniel talked about that i stole it and used it at the harbor it's brilliant it's us we're the tree you want to really go fun with this for some you know homework like google like you know strong's concordance or like christian google of 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 trees in the bible there's some really exciting, beautiful trees. And then there's a whole lot of, like, Mark 11 trees. Actually, didn't I teach on that? Oh, funny. All right, so look up uh, Palm Sunday from this year. You've already heard about the bad tree, good tree. Man, I should have really thought through that. It would have been a better intro. Anyway, we're the tree. We ought to be constantly hearing from God and responding. He speaks. He reveals. We respond. And so don't be discouraged. Daniel was upset. He knew the king would not be pleased. The king would be upset. Fine. Fine. Those are often telltale signs that God is speaking. If I don't like it. He's trying to grow me if I don't like it. And so look up, look in, then look out. And now luckily for us, I want to put a bow on this. 
and any Nebuchadnezzar fans, you're in luck here because um, he finally does come to his senses. Again, the other part of the fulfillment. In verse 34, it says this. At the end of the appointed time, I, Nebuchadnezzar, looked up toward heaven, and my sanity returned to me. I extolled the Most High, and I praised and glorified the One who lives forever. We just sang that. For His authority is an everlasting authority, and His kingdom extends from one generation to the next. Those kids. All the inhabitants of the earth are regarded as nothing. He does as He wishes with the army of heaven and with those who inhabit the earth. No one slaps his hand and says to him, What have you done? At that time, my sanity returned to me. I was restored to the honor of my kingdom, and my splendor returned to me. My ministers and my nobles were seeking me out, and I was reinstated over my kingdom. And I became even greater than before. Verse 37. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, I praise and exalt and glorify the King of heaven. For all his deeds are right, and his ways are just. He is able to bring down those who live in pride. This is it. Number six, this is the restoration that God will restore the end of His Word. Now, oftentimes the hard way, as in King Nebuchadnezzar's story here. But He's restored. The final blank on, on your card, with those two blanks there, is what do you need restored in your life? But don't just stop there. Don't just keep it to yourself. What story is being told of it? King Nebuchadnezzar goes through all that. He's restored. And he doesn't just say, hey, I got all my stuff back. By the way, I was even greater. Can you believe it? Verse 37. I extolled and praised and glorified the true king whose armies are actually powerful and unstoppable who lives and endures forever, he's able to humble even me. That's my story. You, what is God restoring? What relationship? What sin pattern? What need? What area? What is he calling you to? We don't have to all just stay on, on the negative. What word is he speaking to you? And what story is being told of it? What are you doing with it? What are we doing with it individually? What is needs to be restored and what's the story? And then the beauty of the church is individual, 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 us, we, the church, corporately. What is he doing? What is he saying? How are we responding? And then what's the testimony? What's the story? What's actually happening? Will we truly be one as Jesus prayed so that there would be no division, right? And if one is honored, all are honored, right? If one is struggling, we all lift them up. That's the church. That's the people of God. That's us. 